faithfulness in each one of our lives. And the way that he's worked in the past and we continue to need him for more. I just want to take a moment. If you're a guest with us this morning, you'll see in your pew right in front of you, there's a rack with these cards in it. These are called connection cards. And these connection cards, what they're for is for us to be able to connect with you. And uh, maybe check in with us. And um, also for us to be able to check in with you. And on the bottom it tells you kind of, you can check out, I am a guest or I'm giving my life to Jesus. There's some other things there on the bottom. And on the back side you'll see that there are prayer requests. And so I want to encourage you to give prayer requests, whether you're here for the first time or you've been coming here for 10 years. Uh, pray for that, you know, put that prayer request down on here. We, we pray for it on Wednesday nights. We call out each and every name. And we are believing God for those miracles that we were just singing about. We're not just a church that believes in singing about miracles, but we're a church that believes that miracles take place. And so if you have a prayer request, there's a place for you to, to check out leadership only if it's something you want it to be confidential. Or if it's something that will go to our Wednesday night prayer group that we can all pray over, just make sure you put that on there so that way we do it, you know, appropriately for you. And uh, we want to make sure that we're praying over those things with you. Also want to let you know that tonight uh, we're having our Together Again Beach get-together at Town Neck Beach and Sandwich. Not sure what the weather's going to do. I, I, I don't really uh, abide by the weather too often because it seems like it's not really right. Maybe right 10% of the time. Uh, but it's not always right. But we are going to be meeting there, and uh, we're going to have a fire, uh, a campfire, and um, a cooking fire, to be more specific. So bring some hot dogs, marshmallows, things like that. We're just going to hang out. And if you have some games, bring a chair. We're just going to spend some time together. It's going to be at 5 o'clock. I encourage you to come out and be a part. And uh, just spend some time together. I think it's important. And I need some help. Actually, let me throw this out there as well. We are also scheduling one for here in town at the 9th Park in North Fountain, uh, August 8th. So just throw that out there. I will wait to make sure that we got approval to do that before I put it in the announcements. And I did get approval after I did the announcements. So there you go, August 8th. Keep that in mind. Now I need some help this morning with the central theme of this message. There are times where I'm going to hold out my hand like this, and I need you to respond in a certain way. Because this is the central theme of this message. And if nothing else gets across to you this morning, I want to be sure that these three words, not four words, sink in. And that not only do you remember them, but you begin to live by them. You begin to live life by these words. And those words are, God is in control. God is in control. Practice. Let's practice real quick. Say it out loud now. God is in control. Okay. There are different parts of the message, so you have to pay attention. No sleeping out there. We did sing a song labeled Awake My Soul. So hopefully your soul is awake. You need to be paying attention. And I want to make sure that this is the central theme. This is the, the thing I want you to walk away from with this morning. I don't know many, how many of you have seen this movie, but it's a, a movie called Bruce Almighty. And it raises some interesting questions about how God works in our lives. Bruce, played by Jim Carrey, so if, you're, if you like comedies, this one is pretty funny, although I can't say that everything in the movie was appropriate. <laughs> but he's a reporter who made a fool of himself on national television. 
And in doing so, he lost his job, then he was beat up, and he had an emotional blow-up with his girlfriend, Grace. With his world falling apart, Bruce takes a midnight ride to try to clear his mind and begins having this conversation with God. In fact, he begins pleading with God. Okay, God, you want me to talk to you? Then talk back. Tell me what's going on. What should I do? Give me a signal. As he utters these words, a glowing road construction sign directly in front of him flashes. Caution ahead. But Bruce doesn't notice. And he continues to pray, I need your guidance, Lord. And he begs, please, send me a sign. Immediately, a large uh, crew truck pulled in front of him. And the back of the truck was filled with street signs in plain view. And those street signs said, stop, dead end, wrong way, do not enter. Again, Bruce is oblivious. He doesn't read any of these signs that are right there in front of him. But he is upset that he got behind a big truck. So in frustration, he swerves around that truck and begins to grumble, Lord, I need a miracle. I'm desperate. I need your help, Lord. And losing control of his car, he spins off the road and rams his sports car into a lamppost. Lamppost then falls on him, begins to hiss, and it's smoking, and it's all over the place. It's mangled, it's steaming, and Bruce flings his arms up in the air, and he begins to rage at God. He was completely disgusted at all these things that were happening. God didn't give him any notice. Fine, he says. The gloves are off. Come on. Let me see a little wrath. Smite me, almighty smiter. You're the one who should be fired. The only one around here not doing his job is you. Answer me. Bruce's beeper then goes off. Beep, beep, beep. Some of you know what a beeper is. Some of you probably do not. So he sees these numbers, 555-0123. We find out later that God is paging him. So deadpan, he looks at that number and says, sorry, don't know you. Wouldn't call you if I did. See, Bruce was so wrapped up in his own demands for how God must work that Bruce doesn't notice that God is speaking to him. And he's sending him exactly what he asked for, several signs along the way. But he missed them all. And in moments of tragedy, for every one of us, it's often difficult to see the signs that prove to us that God is in control. We see all these signs, and it's obvious sometimes, in some moments, but we have so much around us, we have so much rage, we have so many things going through our mind that we're asking God for signs, and he's showing us signs of his faithfulness over and over and over again. He's showing us signs that he's with us over and over and over again, but we're missing him. We don't see that he's there. We don't see that he's providing for us. We don't see his hand over us. We don't see the angels that are surrounding us and protecting us every moment of every day. It's hard to see sometimes signs that God is in control when you look around the world and you see so many things that seem to be going awry, astray, not going right. They may be very clear. Sometimes those signs are very clear and obvious. And other times, not so much. But like Bruce, we miss them completely. We're so focused on our problems that we don't see God's work in it. 
We don't see God working in the midst of what we're facing. So we have these, these tragedies that when we began the book of Ruth, where Naomi and Ruth lost everything. They thought, you know, and of course, we know the end of the story, so it's obvious to us that God is working. Because we've read the story, we know the end. It's obvious to us that God is working in the background. But just like anyone who goes through tragedy, we take it day by day. We can't see what God is doing. We only can see today. We can only see the moment. We only see the step. We take step by step. We take one day at a time. Day by day, we try to get through the tragedy that we're going through. But as we have seen, Ruth seems to have a supernatural trust in the God of her husband's ancestors. A trust that would declare that she would follow Naomi. That she would go where Naomi goes. That she would live where Naomi lives. That she, her people would become Ruth's people. That Naomi's God would be Ruth's God. There was something in her. There was a no turning back kind of trust. That no matter what happened in life, she knew, she had a feeling, she sensed that God was working things out. And there was no turning back. She wasn't planning on going back to Moab. She had declared and decided that no matter what happens, Naomi, I am going with you. And even if I die, I am going to die in the land of your people. But it seems like Ruth had enough hope to carry both of them through a very difficult season. And despite all that we have been through this past year, and we're still, still feeling some of the ramifications of it all, I hope that God is working things out. And my hope is that God is working things out in the background. There are things that we just do not see. And there are moments and seasons, followers of Christ, when we are going to have enough hope. We need to have enough hope for others. Just like Ruth had enough hope for Naomi and her. We're going to have to raise our level of hope because we don't want to be paralyzed by fear. We don't want to live in fear. We need to raise our level of hope so that others can receive from that hope as well. So we can help to encourage others. And like Ruth, we will have to display a no-turning-back kind of trust in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our trust in God. We will not live in fear. We will live in hope. And we will trust the God of our ancestors. We will trust the King of Kings. We will trust the Lord of Lords. Why? Because, oh, you missed it already. First time. I threw you off, didn't I? Why? Because God is in control. So today's message, we'll focus on that one fact. Because despite what you see, despite the tragedies that you're facing in life, despite what you feel, the theme of today's message is God is in control. Let's read the end of the story together this morning from Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. It says, So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord! 
who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Verse 16. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast. And she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, Now at last, Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. See, after all they've been through, after all the tragedy they faced, now we're starting to see the tide turn. We're seeing good news coming. Not only is there going to be a marriage, and there was a marriage, but after the marriage, there became a child. That wasn't a given. Right? We read all throughout Scripture where sometimes women had a hard time, or men, too, because they were part of it, had a hard time bearing children. So it wasn't a given that she was going to have a child, but now, this is worthy of praise. This is something to celebrate together. There's a birth, and this birth, like the one that came comes later in the birth of Jesus, brings great joy and blessing to many people. Where there once was poverty and shame, there is now hope. Where the family line of Elimelech was nearly erased from history, this baby ensures that there will be a continuation of the family line. Obed was a blessing to many. Mercy was a blessing to Boaz and Ruth. Of course, we call every baby a blessing of the Lord. But this baby was, was a blessing to continue the family line of Ruth's late husband. Now the family line will not stop. It will continue. And it was a blessing. Obed was a blessing to Naomi. And to say that the baby was a blessing to Naomi was, is actually an understatement. Naomi informally adopted Obed as her own son and became the foster mother in the sense of Obed. Obed was a restorer of life to Naomi, gave her a sense of redemption after all they'd been through. Finally, some good news. Finally, a son to replace what I have lost. And like many grandparents are doing these days, she raised her grandson. She raised her grandchild. You know, there's no better way to get a new lease on life than to start Investing yourself in the younger generation. To share what you know and pass that down from generation to generation. That will help you grow. It will help you also stay younger. That's one reason I stayed in youth ministry for so many years. Kept me young. It's been all downhill from there. <laughs> Obed would one day care for the family. Take care of Naomi. He would take care of the family that brought him into the world. And he would continue the family line. Yes, he was a blessing to Naomi. And he was a blessing also to Bethlehem and Israel. See, next time you hold a baby or a child in your arms, that little one may be the one that God has planned a great future for. That child, that teen, that baby could be a life changer, a history maker. 
those are the kinds of words of life that we can be speaking to the next generation, to our children, to our grandchildren. See, all along the way, from Ruth and Naomi, God was in control. He was in control even over the tragedy. And he continued to bring blessing as Naomi and Ruth tried to move forward in life. But Obed was also a blessing to Bethlehem and Israel because he brought fame upon a nation and also a town. Remember Bethlehem. What town was Jesus born in? Oh, little town up. Blessing to Israel. Why? Because he continued the family line. He brought faith to his town and his nation. And because out of his family line, the family line didn't stop there, came King David. David is considered one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel, despite his flaws. He brought conquest and wealth and stored up enough wealth to build the temple of God. He was a servant of God and a blessing to Israel. And this is where I'd like to pause just for a moment so that we can see how the hand of God, though you can't see it in the story, but the hand of God was over all of this. Though God may not have caused all the tragedy, his hand continued to direct and continued to be over it. This is how we see that God was in control in a situation that didn't seem like he had control. See, not only for Naomi and Ruth, this happened. But there was an even greater purpose than what was clearly revealed in Ruth. We see, do see a hint of it when, we, when it talks a little bit about the genealogy of where David came from at the end. And because of that, Obed was, Obed was not only a blessing to Boaz and Ruth and Naomi and Israel and Bethlehem, but he became a blessing to the world. Because his family line, and in the family line, we see how important it is that he continued it. There's been a lot of interest these days in commercials that you've seen on TV, I'm sure, and interest in ancestry. To learn the roots of your family, where they came from. And I'm sure there are people here on Cape Cod that their ancestry goes back to the very beginning, when, when people first landed. They talk about, of course, the Native Americans. Here in this land, that were here long before we were. And you think of the ancestry and the, the family lines and the continuous <coughs> generations from generation to generation. There's a family history there. And this family history was also very important in Christ's time as well. You might remember the Gospel of Matthew starts off with a genealogy, he begins his gospel with the family line of Jesus. And you can read the whole thing. On your own in Matthew 1. We're not going to read it all today. I'll let you stumble through some of those names. But I want to highlight a very few, I want to, a few important parts from this, from this ancestry. In Matthew's genealogy, we see God's hand. And we see his grace at work throughout history. Showing that he, in fact, is in control. The central message today is? Again? There you go. Just make it to your way. In this genealogy, there were four unexpected women that 
show up. These are the women found in Jesus' family line. It shows up in this genealogy. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. The inclusion of these women in Christ's genealogy is a special display of grace because they were all born outside of the people of Israel. They were not Israelites. Tamar and Rahab were Canaanites. David's great-grandmother Ruth, as we've been learning all along, was from Moab, a hated enemy of the Jews. Bathsheba was regarded as a Hittite because her husband Uriah was a Hittite, yet she was the mother of King Solomon. More astounding is all these women were brought to the genealogy through different paths. Rahab was a prostitute. Bathsheba was an adulteress. Ruth, again, was from Moab, which the entire ethnic group was a result of incest between Lot and his younger daughter. This is the family line of the Messiah, the King of the Jews, the family line of Jesus, the one that we worship, the Son of God, the Great I Am. And you would expect us to have only the greatest of heroes in his family line, right? Only those that were perfect. Wait, are there any? Except for Jesus himself? No. <laughs> or at least maybe the ones that didn't make any major mistakes. You know, maybe some of those kings that, where it says that uh, you know, he did all the right things in the sight of the Lord. At least one of them, right? I believe that that's there to show us many things. But here's one thing that I'm going to focus on today. It shows us that God is in control of even our family lines. And that your family line will not hold you back from your calling. Your family line will not hold you back from his story. Otherwise, I'm his history. It never has to hold you back because God can use you no matter where you came from or what your past is or what your family line or tradition says. Why? Because... Because God is in control. Jesus is a direct descendant of flawed men and women. Matthew preaches the gospel of grace through his genealogy. These women demonstrate that God overcomes every sin to fulfill his redemptive purposes. I want to say that again. Hear it. Let it sink in. These women demonstrate that God overcomes every sin to fulfill his redemptive why? Because, because God is in control. You see, most genealogies are written to show that there is no impurity in the bloodline. Herod the Great destroyed his genealogy so that no one could compare his background with other people. He didn't want anybody else to take his kingship away. He was jealous like that. But one thing that we learn from Jesus' gene genealogy is he is not ashamed to call us his brothers. He is not ashamed to call us his children. Jesus came to save sinners, and he came for sinners, like you and me. God is in control. Even going back as, as far as Boaz and Ruth, even going back to Adam and Eve, and then going forward to Obed, to Jesse, who was the, the father of David, who was the father of Jesus, in the family line of Jesus. Though we may not see the big picture in our lives, though we may not understand everything that happens, 
that we don't see the big picture of our genealogy and how things come to be part of God's plan, we trust that God sees the big picture, that God sees our timeline from beginning to end, that God sees history's timeline from beginning to end. You see, God saw the big picture, and he was going to send his only son through the bloodline of Ruth. Through the bloodline of Ruth and Moabitus. From the bloodline of a widow where her husband died. From the bloodline of a widow that really would have nothing to do with Israel if she chose to stay in Moab and not go with Naomi. Do you see all the little steps? And all the pieces of her life that begin to come together with each decision brought her closer and closer to God's plan. All these little decisions that seem little, God was working out in the background the entire time. Why? Because? God was in control the whole time. Martin Luther, he was a 16th century reformer. I'm sure many of you have heard of him because he was at the beginning of the Reformation here in the Protestant churches. He said this about this particular genealogy. He said, it is, is, it is, is no, as if God, wait, sorry, say that again. It's a little bit of tricky language sometimes. It is as though God intended this genealogy to say, oh, Christ is the kind of person who is not ashamed of sinners. In fact, even puts up in his family tree. It is as though God intended this genealogy to say, oh, Christ is the kind of person who is not ashamed of sinners. In fact, he even puts them in his family tree. That's you and me. See, God's grace is greater than our sin. Because he's in control. He can turn the brokenness of our life around. He can turn tragedy into triumph. He sees the big picture of our lives, even though we only see the now. Why? Because God is in control. So we take Romans 8.28 often as a promise. It is a great scripture passage. It gives us strength in our time of need. Helps to encourage us that even though we don't see everything that's going on, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything. Say everything. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. So we say everything works together for the good. Does that mean some things? Does that mean only major things or small things? When he says everything works for good, that means everything. Everything means everything. This is not a trick. This is not some kind of Greek trick that, you know, the Greek language where we have to try to explain it away. Everything means everything in Greek. We may not understand it. We may not see the big picture of the genealogy, just like Ruth and Naomi had no clue that their family line was going to bring them aside, that their family line was going to bring a, a, a son named Moab, that their family line was going to bring a king like David, Solomon. Right on down to Jesus. But God was in control. God was in control in the midst of it all. We just pray together this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust you when we don't understand what we 
we are seeing and what we are experiencing. Help us to believe that you are working everything for the good. Help us to live and no turning back and to trust in you. Help us to call out to the mountains and they would move. Help us to believe you for miracles and greater things. Give us the hope that we need to carry us through today and tomorrow and the day after that. Give us hope that helps us in times of tragedy. That helps to push us through tragedy. A hope that only you can give. Give us a glimpse of the blessing you have for us. We may not see the full family line but reveal to us in our struggles and what you're doing in the background. Even just a little piece to give us comfort. And in this time, we don't have those glimpses. Give us the ability to trust you fully because you are in control. We pray these things in Jesus' name. This morning, you may be here in this room, you may be watching online, and you've never given your life over to Jesus, but you know that you need a new beginning. You know that you need hope. Jesus Christ can redeem your past, no matter what you've done before, no matter where it's been, and help change you this day moving forward. He has promised that he will forgive all of your sins, everything that you've done. If every sin was written on a big white board, marked up with everything you've ever done, the moment you say, Jesus, please forgive me, that white board becomes clean without one mark like it was brand new. And that's what Jesus does in our lives. He gives us a new beginning. He gives us a new start. All you have to do is ask him. And the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive those who ask Today can be a grand new start for you, regardless of your family line, regardless of where you came from, regardless of your past, regardless of your struggles. Jesus Christ can give you a new life today. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, or you know that you've walked away, you need to renew that relationship. Today is the day. I'm going to ask you this morning to say this simple prayer. You can do it in your heart. You can whisper it. You can say it out loud. Take that next step in your journey of accepting Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, I believe you died for my sins so that I can be redeemed. So that I can have a new beginning. So that I can have hope. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Today, Lord, I give you my life. Make me new right now. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to go to the app store on your phone and download an app called YouVersion. Those are all the scriptures there. You can have it read on your phone. And in there, there are devotionals. You'll search for a devotional called First Steps for New Believers. That's a way to, be, to help you take the next steps in your faith and continue to grow. And of course, a huge step that you're going to need to take is to find a church, a Bible-believing church that you can be a part of. If you're local, we'd love to see you here on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you're not local, please find a church that's local to you and be a part of that church, because I know it's important in helping you to grow your faith. 
have the congregation stand this morning as we prepare to close. And my passage that I want to read on you today is short, but it's powerful. You might even want to write it down and read it again. But it's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope for the power of the Holy Spirit. So go this morning and walk boldly with the confidence knowing that God is in control. Go knowing your past or family history will not disqualify you from being used by God. Go enjoy your peace because of the hope that you have in Christ. And go overflowing with hope and be able to give reason for the hope that you have so that others may receive that hope also. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.